Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. My name is J.J. Jackson. It's so great to have you here with us here on this fine day. If you haven't done so already, please make sure that you follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore Lockdown Blue Devils as a daily podcast devoted to everything going on in the life of Duke Athletics. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. Also take a moment, if you will, subscribe to us on YouTube to watch the show each and every day. We're at a point of year where we're trying to figure out what in the world this Duke basketball roster will look like next year. John Shire is out recruiting the next crop of talent for Duke men's basketball and so much more. So honored to welcome back in my very good buddy, Brendan Marks of The Athletic, kind enough to join us. Brendan, appreciate the time. How are you, my friend? Yeah, absolutely. Always happy to come on. I appreciate you uh, letting me come on and, and dribble what little I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, what you know is, is certainly more than most and uh, excited to pick your brain a little bit about what's happening. The last time we spoke, we're talking about the end of the year, Brendan. We're talking about these decisions that players have to make. You're putting out your thoughts in your work as to who would come back, who would stay, who would go. And it felt like you kind of nailed it with these this trio of sophomores returning to Duke for this next season. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think uh, the chatter around sort of what guys are going to do really picks up most of the time around late February, early March. And so every year I try to put out a story just talking to scouts about, you know, what do you think of these guys? What, what, is, the, uh, what is the NBA appetite for them? How much are you still waiting to see? How much have you seen? Are you convinced? And then also trying to get a feel for where these guys might be. And, and even as far back as, you know, late February, early March of this year, it sounded like there would be multiple returners, especially, you know, I know the one big one who uh, is probably changing Duke's fortune for next season as much as anybody is Kyle Filipowski. But uh, again, even in early March, there was a lot of chatter that Filipowski really likes Duke, um, that he really enjoyed his experience this year. And, And I think, you know, in some ways Duke losing when it did in the NCAA tournament ended up benefiting next year's team because some of these guys want to get back and have a little bit more taste of success in the postseason. Yeah, I certainly think that's the case with how it ended. I mean, this Duke team was playing their best basketball at the end of the year. Uh, From the X's and O's standpoint, John Shire, the coach himself, what kind of adjust, what impressed you from that side of things? We talk about kind of grooming these players throughout the season. Well, at the end of the day, you still got to be able to score more points than the opposition. That takes skill. That takes coaching. How, how well did we see that? How much did we see that from Shire and his staff in this first year? Yeah, I mean, I, I was really impressed. Um, I think if you're a Duke fan, you have to be super encouraged by what you saw from from Shire this season. And a couple of reasons for that, you know, number one, like the inconsistency that he had to deal with this year is crazy. Even veteran coaches would struggle with that. I mean, we're talking about you, you've got arguably your top recruit who misses most of the preseason. Your other top recruit is missing time as well because of injury. They're both in and out of the lineup. Then that recruit goes out for a little bit. Oh, wait, now your returning veteran point guard has been dealing with a, a season-long toe injury. Like, and, and Duke was sort of able, you know, obviously there were some bumps in the road, but by and large, we're able to sort of continue to get better. Um, you know, I think in terms of a, of a strategic shift that obviously got a lot of credit later in the season, switching Jeremy Roach from on the ball to off the ball. You know, you went and you looked in the middle of the year, Jeremy Roach's ball handling numbers 
they were not great. Uh, you know, even for a guy who was as good as he was in the previous NCAA tournament, his efficiency as a pick and roll score was not very good. And Tyrese Proctor's was much better. And so, you know, John Shire made what I thought was a somewhat unconventional move, moved him off the ball and voila, we saw the results. They both thrived because of it. So I think there's a lot of things that Duke did really well um, defensively. They were versatile, you know, it was very modern defensively. Uh, the thing that I'm curious for now is when you don't have a Derek Lively sort of center fielding unicorn back there, what do you do? And, uh, I think we're going to learn more about John Shire as a coach this year, obviously. And But I, I, certainly last season was a great start. Yeah, well, what do you do? We're going to have to save that for a little bit later in the conversation because that's something that this coaching staff is spending plenty of time thinking about. You mentioned Jeremy Roach, and I think the big question a lot of people have right now is this looming draft decision that he's got to make, right? Having declared but maintaining college eligibility. Uh, what ultimately do you think Roach ends up doing? What's been the latest that you've heard with Roach? So, right, there, there are two schools of thought here. Um, I think, you know, the one that is probably more conventionally understood is Jeremy Roach is almost definitely not going to be drafted if he stays in the NBA draft. Uh, right. Very, very slim chance of that. There is an opportunity that he could get a two-way. The NBA is expanding the number of two-way contracts next year. I think he would be a candidate for one of those, especially given what he's done, you know, in terms of growth the last two years, getting away from that injury he had in high school. Um, but – he's probably not going to get drafted. So, so, you know, financially, does it make a lot of sense for him? Uh, is it putting him in the best spot professionally to have staying power? Probably not. And so when you're talking about the NIL opportunities, that would be there if he comes back, the role that's there, he would be, you know, a starter and sort of one of the leaders on, on what many project to be a top three preseason team. All of that seems really attractive and would naturally lend itself to him probably coming back. Right. The other end of that equation, though, is what if Jeremy Roach is just ready to be done with college? Um, and I think there's a school of thought, and this is one that I think you know the Duke staff is, is aware of, is once you mentally decide to start testing and you lo start looking at your professional options, um, it's very easy to sort of get yourself there and to be one foot out the door, so to speak. And so I, I would not at all be surprised if Jeremy ultimately doesn't come back. Um, obviously, Duke would love to have him. I mean, you're bringing back four or five starters from a team that won the ACC and was one game away from winning both both the ACC regular season and the ACC tournament title. Um, right now, if I were guessing, I would say that I think that it's probably more likely he stays. And, um, you know, if he does, listen, there's not a whole lot left for this guy to prove in college. You know, his Duke legacy is intact for what he did with Coach K's last team, sticking around for Shire's first team. And that's where I would say things stand right now. Either way, it could still go. But certainly, I think um, – him, him deciding to test it all sort of shows you where I think his head is at. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are curious, uh, you know, what that next step is going to be for Roach. I'm certainly with you. I, I just don't see a world in which Jeremy Roach is drafted to the next level, but there are more opportunities to play professional basketball. And we haven't even touched the overseas dynamic that some people um, certainly jump at to make a little bit more money. You're a world's away from home, but basketball is basketball. And if you love it that much, Guys are certainly fine doing that. And, and then what we've seen recently, there's got to be some level of, I don't know that it's necessarily jumping into that Duke bias, Brendan, but I, I think like what Duke fans are seeing right now, if you turn on the NBA playoffs at the very end of the Denver Nuggets bench is Jack White, a four-way guy, a four-year guy at Duke that you never really thought uh, would, would make much of an impact at the next level. But playing for a program like Duke, uh, whether you like it or not, certainly to the NBA levels, like, well, if you're good enough to play there, maybe this can work somewhere. 
Yeah. And, you know, the overseas element, I think, is um, I don't know how how fully people comprehend what the overseas basketball element looks like. It's not a bad gig. Yeah. <laughs> you, you get to make a lot of money. And, you know, if you're playing in Europe, you get to travel around Europe. If you're in Australia, you make even more. And obviously it's a you know different relaxed pace of life. Like, I mean, man, if I was good enough to play overseas, <laughs> sign me up. That sounds like a pretty good deal. So the other thing when it comes to Jeremy Roach, and, and this one is, you know, getting to the human element of it is if you're Jeremy Roach, everybody who you came in with is gone. Every, everybody who's in your class is gone. Everybody the year after that is basically gone. Everybody, you know, a lot of people from this year are gone. So you've now seen multiple classes of kids come in and stay and do what you thought you were going to do. And they are gone now. And at some point I understand being frustrated with that. Not maybe not frustrated is the right word, but being tired of seeing it and just wanting to get onto the next phase of your life. Um, you know, you know that eventually, even if he leaves early, you're going to be able to come back and finish your Duke degree. So uh, I, you know, I see really compelling arguments both ways, but like I said, right now, if I was projecting, I, I would be surprised if he was back. Um, I, I think that it's probably looking more like he's going to stay in the draft. Let's see as Brendan Marks joins us here on the program, talking a little bit more about next year's Duke basketball squad, what John Shire has been up to lately. And we'll continue that conversation after our first time out here on today's show. Lockdown Blue Devils here today is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. I love them so much, and here's why. Well, new customers, you can step right up to the plate and get your no-sweat first bet. Here we are in the heart of the Major League Baseball season, and whether we're talking grand slams, no-hitters, double plays, so much more, they've got all the best prop bets installed within the Major League games themselves that you need to be a part of. So go to FanDuel.com slash on. To sign up, place your first bet, and you can get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. So don't miss your chance. Get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel is an official partner of Major League Baseball. Moving forward here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils, J.J. Jackson alongside my pal Brendan Marks of The Athletic. Last weekend, you hit the road, Brendan. Tell us a little bit about what uh, what you were up to. Yeah, I got to see uh, all all of the luxuries that Emerson, Georgia, and Kennesaw, Georgia had to offer. Uh, <laughs> there you it's, go. It's down a little bit closer to your neck of the woods, JJ. Yes. Um, but no, so you know this this past weekend was the first summer session of EYBL, uh, the march towards Peach Jam, which happens you know the first week, first two weeks of July. And basically, what this is, it's an opportunity for all of the best high school players. Uh, in the country to come together and for the entire basketball community to descend and see them. And so that means you've got coach Shire was there. The entire Duke staff was there actually. But in addition to that, you've got agents there, you've got handlers there, you've got people, you know, they're everyone you could possibly want to connect with in the basketball industry is at these events. And so uh, I got to spend some time with coach Shire, got to spend some time with, you know, the rest of the staff and also just got to watch um, some of the players, both who were committed to Duke Darren Harris and some guys that they're recruiting heavily for the next couple of years. So uh, it's a really good way to get your pulse on, you know, what things are going on and, and where things stand. And certainly it was informative for me, especially getting to see some of these potential Duke targets play in person. Well, and then hoops junkies absolutely love kind of the format. We're used to seeing these YouTube highlight clips, but not too many people get the opportunity to experience what these events look like. There's the Jason Tatum of all of this. That was uh, really fun to watch. And we'll get to that in just a moment, but Exactly what do you see, Brendan, those crossing paths with 
wow, these are big faces in the college basketball world. Set the scene for us. I mean, just courts galore inside rec centers. What truly are you experiencing at these events? Yeah, so I believe there were 12 courts, uh, all good. And so, so not, not all of them are filled every right. single minute of every game, but frequently there are more than six games going on at a time. And so what you see is uh, you'll see coaches, if they're, if they're looking for a player or they're targeting a player, you see them sitting courtside. So, you know, John Shire, of course, is courtside for Cooper Flagg. He's courtside for the Boozer brothers. He's courtside for a couple of others. Um, but also there are situations that arise where multiple guys you're interested in are playing at the same time. And so it's really funny. You see these coaches who rather than like sitting and taking their spot and getting comfortable, they're just sort of doing this anxious walk back and <laughs> forth between multiple courts, <laughs> trying to make sure that they're showing face at all of them and, and you know, get a good idea of what the players are about. So uh, it, it was really interesting. You know, the Duke staff, I would say uh, the, the value of having all of them there is that you do get to spread out and you do get to see more. And um, I, I definitely not every staff that was there brought everybody. You know, there are other recruiting events going on at the same time. So people pick and choose. But obviously the number of prospects that Duke gets off the Nike circuit makes sense for all of those guys to be there. So uh, and again, they were watching a lot of guys. There's a lot of you know, I think we look at the class that Duke is bringing in this year. It's a great class. Um, the 2024 class, you know, they have one commitment, Darren Harris right now, are recruiting a number of other guys. But, man, that 2025 and 2026 class, I know it's a little bit down the line, but, um, you know, I was talking to one agent, and he said if the top 10 kids in 2025 or 2026 – were to play the top 10 in 2024, they'd mercy rule them. So uh, <laughs> there's a lot of really young talent, um, and Duke is certainly trying to you know, haul in as much of it as possible. Yeah, I want to talk about some of those names that have been standing out for Duke. Uh, but while we are here recapping last weekend, again, Brendan, it's in the midst of the NBA playoffs, right, in Boston Celtics star, former Duke Blue Devil, Jason Tatum, shows up, as you said, here in the fine Kennesaw, Georgia, to, uh, to kind of watch uh, basketball sitting next to John Shire. What did you see here? Tell me about this. Yeah, so, you know, uh, you, you sort of hear uh, when things like that happen. And l listen, Jason Tatum, great player, is by no means the only pro who is attending these things. You know, Carmelo right. Anthony's there. Uh, Bradley Beal was there. Um, Carlos Boozer was there. You know, it, it, these, these events are littered with both current and former pros. But with Tatum, you sort of heard him before you saw him. Um, you know, I, I remember I was watching, a, I was with a different staff watching another game and you just hear, you know, oh, Tatum's over there, Tatum's over there. And then so finally I, I uh, ended up finding John, finding the rest of the staff and, and was sitting with, um, you know, some other folks and saw him come over and sit with, you know, sit right there on where normally the coaches are sitting, but, you know, <laughs> nobody's telling Jason Tatum to get out of there. Um and yeah, you know, look, I, I think, you know, this is a guy who was teammates with Emil Jefferson. It's a guy who, you know, knows Jay Lucas, obviously knows Shire, obviously knows Chris Carrawell, like has good relationship with all of them. But yeah, you know, if you don't think that they're watching some guys and if you're <laughs> considering Duke as a high schooler and you look over and you see, oh, well, there's my potential future head coach with one of the best, you know, five or 10 players in the NBA. It, it certainly has some influence. So uh, it was very cool. And, and listen, Credit to Tatum. He stayed for a good long while. I mean, he was there for at least the full game. So, uh, you know, obviously I know the playoffs are still going on, but I thought that was a really cool moment. No, awesome to see that for sure. And, and only seeing pictures on social media. I'm like, man, that is super awesome. And, and what a feeling that's got to be for those high school guys to kind of look over and be like, 
that's a first team all NBA right there. That's just casually watching our game uh, that's being played right here. So uh, talking about 2024 though, in particular, obviously you mentioned Darren Harris is the loan commitment. What is the plan? I mean, it feels like from, from my perspective, at least it has been radio silence, Brendan, uh, in regards to, to what that roster is going to look like in terms of a recruiting class. Yeah. Well, you know, I think one thing to keep in mind is that John Shire has stated publicly and we saw it, you know, proof of concept, I think already so far this off season that there's going to be, you're not going to see any of these seven, eight man classes anymore. Like those super gigantic giga classes, they're a thing of the past because when Duke needs to fill, you know, and that's for a couple of reasons. One, when Duke needs to fill holes, it is going to do so via the transfer portal. It is. It has been proven that when you are bringing in talent, it's better, even if it's a guy you know, like a Jacob Grandison last year who's paying 10, 15, 20 minutes a game, you'd rather have someone who's been there before, who's done it at the high major level preferably, and, and who already sort of knows what to expect. You don't have to put in the, the legwork to sort of get them up to speed. So that's one component of it. The other component of it is Duke doesn't want to have as much turnover as it has in past years. Right. We, see, we see that with three of these guys coming back now. You look at this class that's coming in next year with uh, Caleb Foster and Jared McCain and Sean Stewart and TJ Power. Uh, you know, I, I, all of those guys are not going to be going. That's the thing. These are going to be some of these are going to be multi-year guys, and that's not a bad thing. That's the biggest thing is, is trying to convince these guys and trying to really show them that, you know, and I think that's why this these three who are coming back now for their sophomore seasons, Kyle Filipowski, Mark Mitchell, and Tyrese Proctor, are so important. They're sort of like a blueprint. We've seen it in the past couple of seasons, too, with a Wendell Moore. We've seen it with uh, Mark Williams. We've seen guys come back and improve their draft stock, you know, and play themselves into the lottery, play themselves into the first round when they weren't there otherwise. I think we're going to see the same thing with these three guys. But basically, that's, that's sort of Duke's new recruiting pitch. It's come in, make an impact, be a good player as a freshman, but be willing to stay because while you're here, you're going to be compensated with NIL – you're going to have an opportunity to develop. You're going to have an opportunity to play in meaningful games and to win. And also, while you're doing all of that, you're putting yourself in a better position down the line to not just get to the NBA. And this is something that he told me for a story I wrote this week. You don't want to just get to the NBA. You want to stay there. And so that is sort of the changing recruiting philosophy. And so the reason I bring all that up is because as it relates to 2024, I don't think it's going to be a very big class. You know, they have one guy who's committed, and Harris is a top 50-ish guy. He looks like a multi-year guy. Sure. Um, but, you know, in terms of other ones they're looking at, I mean, certainly looking at Dylan Harper, um, you know, he was, you know, athletically probably not like the craziest athlete in the world, but he looks college-ready right now. I mean, he's 6'4", 6'5", and, you know, he, he looks like a college point guard today. So they still have those, you know, top targets. Um, but maybe not as many of them and maybe trying to be a little more, you know, selective about, okay, these are guys that might be willing to come back for a couple of seasons and prioritizing them over ones who are, you know, firmly steadfast on going one and done. Yeah. Dylan Harper is certainly a name that we hear mentioned quite frequently. Uh, and then you mentioned in 2025 Cooper flag, the boozer twins, a really star studded class there, uh, that still obviously have decisions to make. I think, Duke has got to feel pretty comfortable uh, with their chances at least of making those things happen because, uh, yeah, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. And when kids grow up dreaming of playing at certain institutions, when those offers come along, I have to imagine that feels good. 
How how good is that 2025 class that when you're, you mentioned? Yeah. Uh, man, it's unreal. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, Boozer, Cam Boozer, Caden Boozer is a nice player too. You know, he's maybe top 30, top 35 right now. Um, 6'3", good size, developing as a point guard, good vision. The, the full game that I watched of him, I watched bits of others, but the full game, he had 10 assists, you know, very, very good passer. Um, but Cam Boozer is a monster. He is unfair. I mean, I watched him have a 40 and 17 game, watched him have a 32 and 20 game. While he's doing that, he's getting three or four assists, three or four blocks. I mean, physically, he is just like there already. He's got great footwork, his jump shot, you know, oh my God, the jump shot is beautiful. You know, he's got great defensive instincts. Like, I I mean, he is an incredible, incredible talent. And if it ends up being a two for one at Duke, great, but I've, I've, you know, not to tease, but I've got a story coming about the Boozers and their situation next week and talk to them about it. And it's fascinating. As for Cooper Flagg, um, not as physically intimidating, I would say. You know, he's got good size. He's about 6'8", needs to bulk up some more. Um, but the instincts, especially defensively, there was one play in particular where he got caught in a two-on-one in transition, and he's the one. And he anticipates the pass before it happens, slides his feet, gets in front of the other man, he stays with him, and then before the, the guy passes it back and tries to throw for a lob dunk uh, for an alley-oop, Cooper sags off him, goes back, tips the pass to himself, intercepts it, gets the rebound, and leads the break with an alley pass. <laughs> um, and I was just like, man, that's got to be so demoralizing. Right. <laughs> um, but, he, I mean, and offensively, I mean, the skill is crazy. It's off the charts. He needs to get a little bit better as a ball handler, but um, he they're both as good as advertised. And I will say I don't – I, you know, I would be skeptical if they both end up at Duke. Uh, it sounds like Cooper might be considering the professional options. Um, but just getting one of those guys would be a haul because they are, you know, by far and away two of the best players that I saw this weekend. Let's see what happens, of course. Tons of uh, recruiting to follow in the days and months to come. The summer season picks up with these guys getting to play on circuits and that sort of thing. So we'll see how it all plays out. Brendan Marks of The Athletic is here with us on Lockdown Blue Devils today. You mentioned some of the great stories that you've got coming up. Tell me a little bit about The Athletic and how folks can see your product. Yeah, absolutely. So I've got all my stuff uh, up at theathletic.com. I'm biased, but I I think we have the the best, most comprehensive sports writing in the world. I mean, you're going to get all of my stuff on Duke, but you're also going to get the rest of our college basketball team. You're going to get college football. You're going to get NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, European soccer, like golf. You're going to get everything. So, um, you know, all for one price, go over, check us out. Um, and like I said, I try and share all my stuff uh, on my Twitter at Brendan R. Marks. Had some stuff on Duke and some of the targets they were watching earlier this week. Have some more stuff, like I said, on the boozers coming shortly. Um, always try to keep people updated. Yeah, no, follow Brendan on Twitter for sure. You see all the great stories there. The coverage is remarkable. Brendan R. Marks there on Twitter. Blue check marks come and go, but the amazing content always stays the same, and that's what we've seen. With that being said, as we sort of wind down and we look at the next few weeks for Duke basketball, solidifying next year's roster is something that um, still needs to be done. There's this transfer portal window that is winding down, right? There is an end in sight there, and there is the need for rim protection still uh, for this Duke squad. I mean, what's the latest there, Brendan? Yeah, so, I, you know, I, I think the f- you're totally right that 
Duke still has at least one spot with which it can add somebody. And if Jeremy Roach ultimately stays in the NBA draft, they would have another one too. So one, maybe two spots available, certainly one. With that one, yeah, it's going to be a big, it's going to be somebody who ideally offers rim protection. Um, you know, I think if you you know were to forecast things out a little bit, you look at the way the tournament played out last year, uh, Derek Lively, obviously incredible defensive talent. You're not going to find another Derek Lively. There is not another guy who does the same things that he does. And so instead, what I think you want is if you can get somebody who has some rim protection, that's great. But also you want somebody who's going to be able to compete with some of the other really, really good bigs out there, especially come tournament time. And so, you know, I, I think Kyle Filipowski, I don't think, I know Kyle Filipowski is going to get some time at the five. Obviously, Ryan Young is going to be there. He's going to see some time at the five. But I don't know about you, JJ. I wouldn't feel really great about either of those guys having to go against somebody like uh, Adama Sonogo from UConn this year. And so if you're looking for, for answers for Duke, you want somebody who's going to be able to do that. Um, the tricky part is, you know, are you bringing that person in to be a starter? Are you bringing that person in to be a key backup? It sort of depends on what that player ultimately looks like. Um, Duke is definitely looking at multiple people. As we've mentioned, the portal is not closed. People still have time to hop in it. Uh, there will be more portal entries before everything is said and done. Uh, but you're, but I think it is, you're looking for a rim protector. There are a couple of names out there that, you know, they're tracking. Um, and then, yeah, if it, if it comes to pass where you have another scholarship when Jeremy Roach frees up, I think you have to start looking at contingency plans and the staff is doing that as well. And, I think they're already really well situated in the backcourt. You know, you've got Proctor, you've got Foster, you've got McCain, you've got Jalen Blakes, Jaden Shute as a two guard. Um, but the idea of having another maybe more veteran point guard who can sort of show some of the young guys the ropes, I don't think that necessarily would be the worst ad in the world either. The, the fact that there is still time to get into the portal, one, is crazy. But then, <laughs> but then two, a week ago, uh, I know I saw Jeff Goodman out there reporting that Duke was one of just four or five teams – in all of major college basketball to not have a single scholarship player enter the portal. How in the world does it just feels like the odds are not in your favor for that to take place. And yet here we are, Brendan, and it feels as though everyone's coming back. Yeah. Listen. And I think, you know, that's, that's one of the um, longer term benefits of the way that Duke did its secession plan was Shire could map out how he wanted this all to look and, you know, listen, like, I think he had a really good idea of yeah. the defections that he was going to have. You know, I think, you know, he knew in August that Derek Lively and Derek Whitehead were probably going to be going pro. He knew that Jacob Grandison was going to be out of eligibility. So those are some things that you can plan on. And then the rest of it, you, it, knowing that, you can sort of put the rest of the pieces together thereafter. So I think John's done a really good job of having this plan. It's been, it's a multi-year plan. It's still in process, but he came in, he, he did what he wanted to do with it. As far as this offseason goes, I think it's gone as well as it possibly could have for Duke. Um, you know, and transfers are not a bad thing. They're going to be transfers. Like people are going to leave the program in future years. That's just how it goes. Um, but certainly I think it speaks to the the fact that there wasn't necessarily a lapse in the culture there, that they were willing to buy into this plan that he had forecasted out. Um, and and obviously the the dividends of that are gonna be a team that next year has a very legitimate chance to compete for a national title. So is that a sign of hope for those players specific, like Jalen Blakes, Jaden Shute, Christian Reeves, those guys set to return for another season as of now at Duke, mentioning the need for multi-year guys. Like that's got to be a level of optimism there that their games could step up and that they could actually themselves contribute on the floor with Duke. Yeah. And, and listen, this is what I'm saying. Like, absolutely. You're right. There's a chance for these guys to get better. There's a chance for them to contribute. 
Um, but if they're not contributing, then eventually they're going to test their luck somewhere else. Um, you sure. know, I think like, you know, like Jaden shoot was a top 50 guy. Jaden shoot had offers from Michigan state, from Iowa. He, Jaden, he could play. Rota- <laughs> he could play. I mean, he could be in a rotation right now. And so, you know, obviously I, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't see what, you know, the rotation is going to look like in November or December, but right. You know, if we are, if we at this time next year are saying Jaden shoot didn't play at all again, then yeah, I would expect Jaden shoot to, to have to chase an opportunity because he had right. those. Um, so yeah, it's, it's that sort of situation and you can't keep 12 people happy with playing time. You just can't, um, you know, the depth, is, yeah. the depth is a great thing, but it's just unrealistic. And so you're trying to do right by those guys as best you can. You try and be honest. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that I see a lot in the transfer portal is teams like do, you know, I've seen some Duke fans who are like, bring in Hunter Dickinson. Uh, <laughs> okay. You bring in Hunter Dickinson that pushes everybody else down the proverbial totem pole and it's going to make some people upset. So, um, you know, it's a balancing act. It's a very delicate dance. And, you know, I think some, like I said, there are going to be the guys that go in the portal in the future, but for now, it at least seems like they're going to have an opportunity to prove themselves. And, you know, if Jaden Shu can hit threes, there's going to be time for him. If Christian Reeves is really developed. There's going to be time for him. So uh, it's all about continuing to grow, continuing to get better. And then, you know, when things shake out in the off season, that's when you have to sort of make your, make your decisions. And for now, we know we need to follow your work. Brendan R. Marks on Twitter and check it all out at The Athletic. Thank you so much for the time today, Brendan. This has been an absolute pleasure, and we'll do it again sometime soon, okay? Absolutely. Appreciate you having me. All right, that's Brendan Marks joining us here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. Again, follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Follow me as well. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you, and good day.